Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Ager. Thanks for tuning in. It has been a bit of a while since we've dedicated a whole episode to grain and oilseed markets. So that's what we're going to do today. While everything's looking good and pretty quiet here in Australia, it's a different story in the Northern Hemisphere where international crop values are very strong on the back of tight supply and continued strong demand. And a tight SND balance does mean prices get very responsive to news, which we are seeing play out in the grains market at the moment. So Nick Booth, our go-to grain commentator and director of Next Level Grain Marketing, is here with me today for an update on the factors at play overseas and how crops are progressing in key countries. Enjoy the episode, and after a thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, we'll get into it. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision making, or accounting services and business software solutions, ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on today, Nick, because it's that time of year where volatility is raining down on the global grain market and it can be hard to get a handle on what's the key information from an Australian perspective. So really looking forward to getting your take on it today and thanks for coming on. Uh, My pleasure, Olivia. Thank you. So why don't we start overseas, Nick? Now, the grain futures markets look very erratic at the moment, which is pretty normal for this time of year because the market is watching the weather in the Northern Hemisphere. So how are the crops and season shaping up in the US and Canada so far? Yeah, um, well, up until recently, I think, you know, there had been a huge amount of risk premium built into into the markets. Um, And when I'm talking markets on wheat, it's the big three, wheat, corn and beans. And because in particular, you know, corn and beans have are very, very tight globally. Um, the there was added importance uh, in the weather, and in the US, they'd had a um, a fairly cold winter and a fairly dry, sluggish start um, for their um, their row crop uh, planting season. But it's it yeah, it, it got underway. It got established. Uh, the months of, of May and June, June in particular, had been very, very dry. And I think there was a huge amount of stress starting to be or, or importance on the state of the corn crop in particular um, going forward. And, you know, that has effectively come undone now, I think. Um, the, the weather... Uh, in the US has turned has turned wetter, particularly in the the Midwest and the I guess the Corn Belt, and that's certainly um, taken some of the pressure off the off the um, production bulls um, who were fearing the worst. And what about acreage, Nick? So we look looking at uh, production and yields seem fairly on track. Then, if if they've had the rainfall they need, but. Was there a higher planting than this time last year or, or lower or what was acreage looking at? The, the acreage report came out in May um, 
was fairly benign. It, I think there was a, um, a thought or an assumption that given the high prices, there would be, um, you know, be wall-to-wall corn, wall-to-wall beans. Um, but the fact that all commodities were reflecting high prices has meant that acreages have, have actually stayed pretty similar to what they have, uh, what they were last year. So there's no real big swing towards one commodity. Um, you know, farmers um, tend to follow rotations um, and that's, that's a global trend. Um, it's probably the best risk management tool that they can use. Um, but there's always what we call a few hungry paddocks that go in. So I think the, the July acreage report will probably give us a little more indication whether there has been a late swing towards uh, any one commodity or another. But at this stage, it's, it's all steady as she goes. And when you're talking about um, what commodities might swing around in the US and Canada, uh, which ones specifically would we be thinking of happening this season? Because, you know, there are very strong prices out there and I'm sure the farmers are wanting to take advantage of that. So which ones would you see that happening in? I guess traditionally the row crops, they're, they're more interchangeable. I guess the, with sort of newer varieties, uh, improved technologies, um, we are starting to see corn and beans probably encroach on more traditional uh, wheat growing country. Um, but you know, like I said, the, it's, it's usually corn and beans that are that are interchangeable. And speaking of corn and beans, what about some of the other countries that are really important for us to keep track of in the competitive landscape, like? Brazil and the Black Sea, how are they looking? Yeah, look, good question. The, um, I think one of the, uh, the risk uh, premiums that was really being built into the market was the fate of the, of the Brazilian safrina, uh, which is the, the second corn um, crop. Um, traditionally, um, Brazil produces sort of somewhere between you know, it was about 100, 105 million tonne of corn and, and the safrina crop accounts for about, well, I think it's about 60 million tonne of that. And this year they had a, they've had a terrible drought um, through that second corn crop uh, growing area. So, um, so that placed added importance on the, the US um, corn crop. Um, so the, the beans, sorry, the, yeah, the corn that's coming off in Brazil, uh, it's happening now. Um, yields are as expected, perhaps even a little bit worse. So we may see some more trimming um, in terms of global stocks um, with the next USDA report, which is coming out at the start of next month. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's the, the South America, which is, I guess, yeah, North America and South America tend to... Uh, um, chop and change in terms of being the origin uh, for corn and beans when it's going into China and other markets. Um, they take turns, if you like, um, but this year the US has gone from, with corn, um, about 22% stocks to use, so fairly comfortable um, to with the Brazilian issue uh, and the incredible demand coming out of China, they're, they're looking at being only about 7% stocks to use by the end of this marketing year, so before the new crop comes in. So we've gone from being quite loose to 
to uh, cook very tight in uh, in a fairly short space of time. So, Nick, we've talked about corn and beans, but what about wheat? Look, I, I'm not convinced there's much of a wheat story in terms of supply. Um, you know, we're we're looking at at, at Russia. Um, well, the Russian um, analysts recently updated their forecast to a sort of an 85 million tonne crop. Um, uh, the USDA is sitting on about 86. There are some analysts suggesting 90 is, is, um, is on the cards. Um, this new crop, uh, wheat for in the US, Russia uh, and Europe will all start hitting pipelines soon. So that will probably put some pressure on, on, on wheat prices going forward. Um, so, you know, at, at, in the immediate, in the short-term future, I'm not convinced there's a big wheat story out there. It's certainly not a, not a supply issue. Going further out the curve, though, um, obviously you have Australian production, which is looking, which is on par, it's still very early days, but I guess I'd be looking at um, what's happening in, in the US Northern Plains and, and Canada. Um, while the Canadians have had some rain Recently, um, you know, you, anyone who's been to Canada and, and some of these northern climates will know that it's, um, we've just had the well, summer solstice over there. It's 20-hour days. It's it's warming up. So the demand on soil moisture is huge. Um, they didn't have a, a lot of uh, moisture in reserves. They didn't have a big winter. Um, so, yeah, there is going to be... Um, you know, this crop is going to need sort of hand-to-mouth type of rain events to keep it going. So it will be something to watch, I think, as we sort of move into, into August and September to see what that crop's looking like. Um, but in the short term, I think, you know, wheat is, you know, there, there is, uh, there is not going to be any shortage of it. Yeah, from what I've seen in those drought areas in Canada, what's on the forecast for the next few months, if you trust them so far. It doesn't look like it's going to be drought busting. So we'll just have to wait and see what, what comes there. Yeah, and that, you know, that obviously has implications for canola going forward as well. So, so you're right. I think you know, Canada is going to be a story to watch. Yeah, and from, from what you're saying, Nick, it seems like the story is really a supply story at the moment and that's what's important this year. But... If you set aside some of that, you know, the recent price volatility that's driving this supply news, grain and oilseed prices are very strong. So is that just really the case of tighter stocks expectations or do you think that increasing consumption on the demand side is also playing a part in that too? Uh, no doubt the, the tight stocks, I think, are probably the, the primary driver, I suppose. Um, but it, it goes hand in hand. Um, You've, you've got these tight socks because of this, this burgeoning demand coming um, from China. Um, I, I guess the question going forward is really going to be, does China continue to, to import at the pace that they have been? Um, if that's the case, and, and I think there's, there's some train of thought that, that that is going to continue, um, at least for the next little, or at least in the short to midterm, um, then... You know, we're going to see continued strong prices. Uh, I think if we see um, China's demand drop off, and I think they're making noises about um, trying to limit um, demand to try and put some pressure on prices, 
um, then you know we, we may see that that um, acts as a bit of a weight on, on or drags prices down going forward. Yeah, that's really interesting, Nick. And you know we've seen China importing record levels of soy and corn for old crop, and there's definitely talk, as you said, about that being continued into new crop as well, and and stuff like record export paces for US new crop corn export sales. But one thing that we haven't covered on yet is canola. Hmm. So what's happening in those markets? Well, all seeds in general are, are tight. Um, I mean, soybeans are, are extremely tight in the US. Um, and, you know, and that, that obviously as the primary oil seed um, flows on to the likes of, of canola as well. Um, with, I guess, a, the globe economies or global economies starting to recover from the, um, the COVID pandemic, we're seeing crude oil also increase and, and that's driving um, an increase in demand for, for biodiesel. Um, so so you, the, the two things go hand in hand. You've got tight stocks, you've got increasing demand, I believe, Biodiesel demand is up 29% year on year. So, you know, the, the, the vegetable oils um, or the veggie oil complex, so that's, that's um, soybeans, sunflower seeds, canola, palm oil, they all, you know, that as a basket of, as a basket of commodities, um, they're really just going along with, with the tight stocks and the high demand. And, um, that should continue going forward. And do you, do you think, Nick, that there's some of our competitor countries that have much potential to increase production of their oilseed crops or, you know, is, is that unlikely to change much? There, there's always potential to increase production, I guess, um, and that will be largely driven by price. Um, yeah, it, it's, an, it's an interesting point. Um, parts of Europe... Uh, particularly in the um, in the biodiesel um, area, are turning away from palm oil, from Malaysian palm oil. Um, there are concerns around sustainability and, and environmental impacts. Um, so, you know, we are seeing um, increased crushing um, being developed in Canada in particular, um, where they will be crushing upwards of 10 million tonne of, of canola seed for oil to be for, for biodiesel, essentially. So there is there's, there's increased demand going forward. Um, do we see you know, increases in soybean and, and canola? Potentially. Um, but in, I guess, countries like Canada, Australia, uh, European areas where Obviously, agriculture is dictated to by the weather. Um, you know, we're going to be always at the mercy of that. So the limit to how much more we can grow will be, you know, like I say, determined by by price and uh, and the weather gods. Yeah, that's right. And one of the interesting things about the biodiesel story, you know, there's, there's talks about aviation biofuel over in the US being a big segment in the future and if, if that certainly takes off and some of the other investments in, in biofuels and biodiesel, then it certainly seems like demand's not going to be falling away for that segment of the market anytime soon. 
Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, obviously, the, the world is is uh, moving um, towards you know the climate change, climate action, sustainability. It, it, you know, I don't think, like you say, I mean, unless we come up with an alternative fuel source, um, the the ability to replace uh, fossil fuels with with renewables is is here to stay. I'd su- suggest. Yeah, and look, that's a really good picture of the overseas and global situation, Nick, but closer to home, you're out on the Air Peninsula and get a good insight as to what's happening around you, obviously, but what's the local situation like and how are our crops looking at the moment? Oh, look, June's, June's been really kind over here um, on the uh, the western uh, fringe of South Australia. It's uh, um, We've had... For month of June, it was 50 to 80 millimetres across fairly broad sections of the agricultural districts. So while it had been a very dry start and there, there was a lot of crops that were sown dry, um, you know, this, this rain has allowed everything to germinate nice and evenly um, and, you know, in its way. And growers are now sort of focusing on, on spraying and, and potentially getting out a little bit of extra urea. So if the weather models are right and and we do move into a a slightly wetter pattern uh through winter and into spring i think we're in we're in pretty good shape and you know you you look at uh the the um the states surrounding us in western australia is just a garden it's some of the pictures that are coming out of there are phenomenal um they're talking potentially a three million ton canola crop and nine to ten million ton wheat crop it's it's just unreal um New South Wales. There's a few little dry areas in the uh, in the southwest, um, bordering South Australia and the, the Riverina districts, the Mallee. Um, but everywhere else appears to be, you know, looking very, very good. So may not be as big as last year, New South Wales, but uh, certainly on track, I think, for uh, for an above average season. Yes, so good to hear that. And like you said, seeing the pictures of how good the crops are looking, it's just amazing to see after so many you know bad years to have two good seasons hopefully fingers crossed it stays that way and we do get a, another good one up fingers crossed to live absolutely well thanks so much for joining us and coming on and sharing your insight and information today nick always appreciate it no thanks very much thanks listeners for tuning into another episode of commodity conversations If you're chasing a recap on how some of our other key agricultural markets fared this week, head to the Mikado website and our Friday market comments are all there just waiting for you. Or if you're looking for more detailed analysis and outlook, a premium subscription will get you access to all our historical articles. Take care and we'll be back next week. (laughs) 